Hey, everybody. Beards and Dunn are back, and, and for the first time, we're going to do an interview. We've done four of these, and we kind of mentioned we'd like to do some interviews, and I don't know about Beards, but I'm really super excited because we've got Coach Scott Underwood, who was uh, our college coach back in the day in the 70s. And, um, you know, for those of you who don't know, Scott was a former SDSU athlete as well. And, Scott, you know, the, the, all I remember is they told me that you were an All-American in cross country, and the story was – the guy in 25th place, you were in 26, fell in the last 100 yards, and you ran right over the top of him and took the last <laughs> All-American spot. Is this true? Well, I'll give you the real story. <laughs> oh, the real story. Good. Well, I, I was telling, um, you know, I told some guys before the meet, you know, like, you know, with like a, a half mile to go or something, I got to know what place I'm in. You know, back then we had 350 people at the starting line. Wow. So it was uh, – you know, in top 25, obviously, All-Americans. So, so anyway, you know, I'm coming in at a half mile to go. I'm like, guy yells at me, you're in 44th place. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, I, of course, I got to get going. I had pneumonia that year, and I was, like, getting better every week. But so anyway, so then I'm coming in, and somebody's yelling, you're either in 25th or 26th place. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> There's a big difference between 25th and 26th. So, you know, I'm still sprinting, sprinting. Well, the guy ahead of me was like, the guy that I ended up passing right at the end, he was like, <laughs> he was weaving back and forth, he was done. looking for the finish line. Yeah, he was done like he was going to collapse. And I... <laughs> So I pass him with like five feet to go, and I make, well, and I make all American. So then they go to take the picture of the top 25 guys, and this poor guy's up there standing next to me. He, he thinks he's 25. I had to tell him he was in 26th place. I mean, when he when he got done, he didn't even know where he was. Oh my gosh! So that's that's the story. I would have been 26 if the guy wouldn't have about collapsed right at the end. He, I was, he made it across the finish that's line. That's a great story, I, I was Scott. wishing there were three guys collapsing in front of me, but anyway, that didn't happen. <laughs> so, oh. so, Scott, let's just kind of back it up. So you uh, you got recruited by Jay Dirksen to come over to SDSU? Yeah, I did, but I, got a, I wanted to tell you my high school, just a quick story, because I, I, my best friend talked me into, unlikely that I'd even be out, but my best friend talked me into coming out for track. He was a pole vaulter. So my junior year, I go out for track. So I'm running the 4x2, <laughs> the 4x2, the 200, the 400, the 4x4. And so, I, you know, I do that, and I'm probably running 50, 50 maybe I ran 52.5 or something in the 400. And I made the 4x2 team, but that was a bunch of slow Scandinavians. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, the, so I never ran, going into my senior year, I never ran a step all summer. So this is a, this is a, a great story. Um, I got home from vacation two weeks before school started, and there was a car in my our driveway. It was the cross-country coach. Our coaches were separate. I'd never talked to him or never met him in my life, never said a word to him. He was sitting in my driveway, and he says, Scott, you're going out for cross-country. Practice starts tomorrow. I'm picking you up in the morning. And he handed me a, uh, this, he handed me a pair of white shorts and a gray T-shirt. He said, well, go get your bumper tennis shoes on. I mean, we didn't have running shoes, of course. So, you know, back in the day when you did what your people, the right. elders asked you to do, I hardly, so I haven't even said a word yet hardly. 
So I, I'm in the house getting my shoes on. Well, we're going to the lake. You're running through. You're running around Lake Harriet, and I'm going to time you. Practice starts tomorrow morning. I'm picking you up at six o'clock in the morning, and so, so we went and ran the lake. The next morning, you know, you could start two weeks before school starts. So I've run, like I said, zero miles. So he he picks me up and right from the get go. So I go from zero. I'm running twice a day. So I so I start running. I honest to God, I went from zero to ten a day. So he, we run twice twice every day over over an hour run on Sunday. So he's picking me up because I'm so stiff I can't hardly get up and down the steps. He's sitting in my front door watching me hobble down the steps. He thinks I'm going to quit. You know what I mean? I got So he, every day he's coming to pick me up, making sure I come. So I ran like the first week I ever ran distance. I ran 50 miles, then 60 the next week, 70 the next week. Never, I hadn't run a, the longest I'd ever run a couple times, I ran three miles in, in track. So anyway, the long story short is that I, I never would have went to college. I, I would have, I was a C student. I sat in the back of the room. I mean, back then, my name's Underwood, alphabetical order. Like, you, you guys would be sitting up front, freaking Bersley and Dunlap, sitting in the front of the room. I had, I had bad eyes, and I'm sitting in the back getting C's, you know, squinting to see the board. So anyway, we go on. I get fourth in the state. Our team gets second. And after the season, he says, God, he says, I don't believe you held up to all that. He said, I can't believe that you even made it through the season. But so then I got re- so then Jay Dirksen recruited Don Sol- Don was sixth, I was fourth. Our team got second. Well, the other part of the story was I didn't know anything, but I pulled up on Mike Slack with about three hundred to go, and I'm thinking, I mean, I can beat most guys to the finish. So I pulled up and I swung around Mike Slack, and he beat me by about fifty yards in the last three hundred. <laughs> I mean, he, he had some speed. I thought I had speed, Scott, but he so, had some speed. Scott, so you got. What place in the state meet fourth? Gary Gary Bjorklund beat me. Mark Steiner beat me. Mike Slack beat me. Well, Steiner ran for Mankato. He was an all right. well, he was an all all state basketball player. He quit basketball Mankato and ran. He ran about a four oh seven mile for them back then. But so yeah, he got beat by Slack. You know, and uh, but you got fourth Steiner place. Steiner and Bjorklund. You got fourth and place. And I got fourth in, in the state meet. It was only one class then. Your first, it was only your one first class. year of running of cross country. My first year of running. That's amazing. Yeah, my first, my first two mile was eleven forty five. We ran two miles only then, so I ran eleven forty five, and at the state, I think I ran nine forty three or something. Those, I Minnesota golf. Those names course. are Gary Bjorklund. You know, Tom Steiner started the sub four. Remember with uh, right. Steve Scott, they had the clothing oh, line out on the yes. West Coast because oh, okay. he was a four minute miler. Yep, that's him. Mike Slack. Represent the United States at the U.S. duel. He was like fifth in the Olympic yeah, well, trials. Like these a guys are times. all sub four minute milers. Oh yeah, and you and you went on to SDSU. Yeah, well, and it happened that because he recruited Don and myself. Don was my best friend, so it worked out awful well for me. I That's didn't amazing. know that story. So what? All right, so you went to SDSU then. What was your degree in? I was curious. I couldn't remember. What did you What did you major in? Yeah, I had a degree in like health science, physical education. Then I had a master's degree in. I needed a master's degree in guidance and counseling to take care of beers. <laughs> We're going to get to that. Isn't that the truth? Yeah, so I had a master's degree in guidance and counseling, and I had two job offers 
one at a school for counseling and then one at went to Minnesota for, uh, you know, at a junior high and I ended up going there closer to home. That's, well, that kind of leads into my next question. How did you get to the South Dakota State position? Yeah, well, sometimes in life, you know, you, you, you get lucky. And <laughs> Dirksen took the job at Illinois like in August. Right. Everybody had already signed their contracts. They wanted Griff from Burnsville. Mm. Oh, but, of yeah. course, Burnsville's in the, the middle of five state championships, plus he got paid a lot more than, you know, than they'd paid at South Dakota State. So, anyway, they gave it to me a one-year temporary. I was coaching uh, – kind of part-time at Minnesota Morris. I coached track there for a semester. And so I had a little bit of college experience. Well, they gave it to me the job for one year and then Dirksen left me a good group of people. And we had a, you know, you guys, you guys kind of got the job for me. You know, I was telling my <laughs> wife this story today that when the, um, Jay called me up, I was team captain going into my junior year and and Jay called me up and said, "Mike, we want you to come up to Brookings. I got to have. I want to meet with you and Harry uh, Forsyth and and uh, Barry McEwen. And I said, "Sure, sure." You know, I drove up to Brookings, and he's and it was what a shock. You know, Jay had been at SDSU what six, seven years maybe, and is really well known. And they told me they go, "Jay's leaving SDSU." You know, it was like what? Yeah, that just came out like a bolt, a bolt of lightning out of the sky. And and it was like you said, Scott. It was like the beginning of August. And they said, look, you know, we've been talking with Jay and Barry here. And they go, Mike, do you guys think you could coach yourselves? You know, because you guys have done these workouts for really? two years. Wow. Jay always well, had the, the formula. <clears throat> the workouts were handed out to you day one. They really didn't change from year to year. And you go, Barry will take care of the, the uh, administrative, getting you to the meets, handing out the per diem oh. money. You know, he'll take care of all of that, the motels. You, know, you don't have to worry about it. But the workouts, could you guys, do you think you could do the workouts on your own? <laughs> What was I going to say? No. So no coach. Yeah, well, you know, and it's like, no yeah, coach, we can do really. this. I know. I Bills and I, I mean, we were I pretty, didn't know that. pretty disciplined. And so I left that day kind of shaking my head going, wow, you know, that I what a shock. <laughs> I didn't wake up that morning thinking I was going to hear anything like this. Shortly thereafter, though, um, oh, and I remember I mentioned, um, and, I, you know, he might be listening to this someday, Lyle Claus, and I said, geez, you know, have you guys even thought about Lyle? Because Lyle, had Jay had kind of recruited Lyle, on the weekends, right. the Bills boys and I would always go home because we didn't like sitting at the dorm and staying at the college and we missed our moms, you know, or something like that. So we'd go home and we had to do those 20s. And, and Lyle, Jay had called Lyle up and said, hey, Lyle, will you make sure Mike and the, Mike and Mark Bills and those guys, you know, take them out and make sure they don't run those 20s too hard, that they're, you know, they do it decent. And so we started doing those 20 milers day week one. You know, if we weren't at SSU, we ran with Lyle Clausen. And that's how, you know, to this day, there's a group of runners that meet in Sioux Falls, South Dakota at Lincoln High School every Sunday morning. And I've heard, you know, through the grapevine, people go, geez, how long has this Sunday morning group been meeting here? You know, at Lincoln High School, you know, this thing's been going on in Sioux Falls since 1975. I was there when Lyle, the Bills boys, and I, we'd all (laughs) kind of rendezvous because Lyle was in Brandon. The Bills boys lived up on the north end, way up by John Morrell uh, off of uh, Rice Street. I lived yep, way out yep. on the west side of Sioux Falls by the T. We all three couldn't live further apart. So we'd kind of just say, well, let's meet at Lincoln High School. So we all had to kind of go the same distance. And we'd start and finish our runs from there. And, uh, you know, Lyle's name came up. And, I, you know, he was a high school coach at Brandon. And uh, yeah. the next thing I know is I'm hearing Scott Underwood's been hired or bring it. And I thought – Awesome, because I had met you, Scott, I think uh, like my junior year of high school, you were helping with the Junior Olympic track meet up there at Brookings, and I knew your reputation yep. as being on the SDSU team, so that was kind of a big relief. 
that we had somebody that's like an insider. You know, I don't know, Dave Griffin, if you walked in right now and hit me over the head, I don't know who that guy is. And, you know, that would have been kind of hard to start with somebody, you know, that we had no background, no knowledge of. But when you, with you coming in, I know I felt really good about that. And, and then we had that first year was 1977. And um, I, you know, I just remember, I think we had a, we had a great year and, and uh, you were our first year coach and you got us to all the meets and, and uh, we ended up second in the nationals. And then, um, you know, I'm just going to jump right into 1978. And if you, you know, the last few podcasts, we've been talking about our college careers and how we needed one more guy. And that kind of leads into my next question. You know, we're kind of rushing through this here, but how did, how did Dick Beardsley come on your radar? You know, Dick kind of thought it was through coach Folkrod and that they had come to SDSU Invitational and you might've you might have saw Dick run in or something like that. Yeah, I saw some results too. But, um, you know, back then there was like, there was hardly any junior colleges in the Midwest that even had running. Hmm. So we, we never had a lot of, as you remember, as you know, we've never had very many junior college runners at SDSU because there's no junior colleges, not many that even right. had track and cross country. Pat Tobin is the only one. So I've seen him. Pat Tobin. That's about so I had, I had seen him in the results, but if I remember it just seems like that Dick, you didn't even have a phone and I had to talk to you and I had to talk to you in Folkrod's office. Right. Yeah. So I'd call Folkrod and say, get Beardsley in your office so I can talk to him because they don't, they don't realize that back in the day, you know, no cell phones, but you guys, a lot of you guys, junior JC guys didn't even have a phone. No. So you had to get in touch with them through the coach. Right. And so that's, yeah. So I called Folkrod, Folkrod would drug him, drag him, you know, what it's like to get Beardsley to show up on time for anything. So Folkrod would get him in the office and I'd talk to him in the office. So that's kind of how it got going. And yeah, you know, you figure we had a guy with a little bit of experience. He could come right in and help, you know, right away. So that's, yeah, yeah I, I think I, I think, you know, now you can't hide anybody because of the results that everybody can get on their phone instantly. Right. And Back then I'd have to get the, I'd have to get the paper to find results from, Wasika, right you know i mean and scott it wasn't you know, that easy if if it hadn't been for you well you know i well you know i wasn't a very good student i was you know kind of like you in high school c's and i got probably more d's than c's so you know it was kind of a the only reason i even went to college was my parents really not forced me but wanted me to and and then um and you know really the only reason i came out to south dakota state was because I thought, well, gosh, I I guess I can I can keep running for a little bit, you know, and uh, so it was exciting to go out there. And then that whole nightmare when when you know after I'd been there for what a few days, and then remember I just packed my bags one day and went home. Well, so I come to practice one day, and Dunn says Beardsley is gone. I said, what do you mean he's gone? I said, he said he's gone. I said. What do you mean he's gone? Where did he go? So his truck is gone. We don't know where he went. So it was like coaching is a surprise every minute, but you were it was like well, really a surprise every minute with you. Well, just ask Coach Folkrod about that, man. I you talk about a guy graying quicker before his time. It was because of me. So the story was, then Scott, did you call Dick's parents that night and just kind of like, hey, is Dick there? You know, kind of more of an inquiry. And I think I called looking for him. Yeah, yeah. I remember you. I remember you talking to my dad, and you know, back then my dad yeah. liked to drink a little. He, he bit. wasn't that happy about no. going to college, was he? No, yeah. he was yeah. not. And he he did. I mean, I remember 
it got, if I remember right, it got a little heated on the phone. You were just trying to figure out what was going on, and right, right, you know. And my, but you told me that you, you told me before that your dad wasn't that excited about you even going to college right. when I was recruiting you. Exactly, yeah. and and so then I remember the next morning, you know, I was I was gonna go visit a a farm down by Rochester. A guy was looking for a herdsman or something like that, and then all of a sudden it just hit me, and I thought. By gum, I I'm going back out to state, man. I loaded my pickup truck. I drove like 90 miles an hour out to Brookings and got there just before the afternoon practice. And I remember Mike and I were talking. Dunn and I were talking about this last week. I remember I got this like felt like I was a homecoming. All the guys were out there and pat me on the back. You know, Beards is back, and it it just felt right. Yeah, well, yeah, it worked out. But but what I learned from you and Dunn was like. Well, your enthusiasm is what both of you, your enthusiasm is what made you great, but that's the same thing that get got you in trouble. It's like um, you never know when to back off. Right. But I don't know if you remember, but I said, you know, I want, you know, I'm, we're going to, you know, we're going to run in the summer and you're sending in your miles every week and you and you and Don are going back and forth, dueling it out. And but we hadn't even I said, met each other I, yet. I, no, but I said, you don't run any road. You don't. I don't want you running any road races in the summer. And so this is this was my first lesson. That so back then, we, you know, now I would know if you're running races. Right. But back then, if I could, if I didn't see it in the paper, I'd never know it. So I'm thinking you're going 90 plus miles a week, but I had no idea you were running races every week. So then you guys come, yeah, you guys come back to school and this is well, yeah, Beardsley ran like 10 road races. Says, what do you mean he ran? He ran every weekend. Plus, he ran 90 miles a week. So anyway, that was part of the Gary. I remember I read a book from Jumbo Elliott, who was a great coach at Villanova for years. But anyway, he said, you know, when you got the really good ones, the really fired up guys, the coach's job is to hold them back, not to push them forward. Yeah. And that's you. That's you guys. It's like both of you. It's like running smart, not just doing more. I know. I know. So, so that the races, the races combined with with all the miles you were running in the summer, I think I think you would have ran better in cross country if you would have ran all the races. You're probably <laughs> right because I kind of ran out of steam towards the end of the season You there. did. You definitely did. You were running some good races. I mean, some good workouts right away, better than the end. Well, Mark right. and Mark Bills were great, great you know, examples of that. They put in their summer miles, but it was just – yeah, 50, 60 miles a week. I mean, they stayed fit. Mike and fit. Mark Bills. They, yeah, they stayed no, fit. Mike and Mark Bills. Yeah, they. 10 every day. They, they'd be 10 fit, every day. And then 10 they'd every show day. up and do the workouts. And they got better and better and better. You know, and hats off to those two guys. They would get to the national meet and run their best, best race of the year. And it's like, well, yeah, I think that's what the plan was supposed to be. Where for some of us, uh, that got to be kind of a, a stretch. It was a little long. The season got a little long. You know, we told the story last weekend, Andy, uh, uh, about the. Uh, at the Madison, Wisconsin, when we got back, we got to fly back together because I, I won the trip with Dick to fly back early from uh, Madison, Wisconsin. So we had there's, run 50... there's, there's old teammates still upset about <laughs> still that Still upset one. about that. They think the fix was in or something. I don't know. But, you know, we ran 35 miles in a 24-hour period without definitely with no sleep and without you and I did. any. I don't, you know, we probably had a couple of Cokes yeah. in there. And just what you said, you know, you guys, what were you thinking? You know, you know, know, running 35 miles in 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 a 24-hour period. Um, I guess I guess the interesting part was like later on. I don't know when I was talking to Dick, but he said, "You know, 
what really got me going was my iron level was low mm. and once I got my iron level up I felt like I was on drugs he said and he said I know that I was iron deficient for probably years yeah you know I, I mean enough that you could still run the workouts but you just didn't have that zip right in your legs and so it's a it's a good lesson just being a little bit iron deficient can still really affect your performance yeah because that was after he left SSU started running to qualify for the uh, trying to qualify for the 1980 Olympic trials marathon and things were not going well but dick go ahead i know i've heard you talk about you're training your butt off and your performances were getting worse well i was still running you know like 120 miles a week and i felt terrible and you know I, i'd get winded right. walking up a flight of stairs and I, I i'll never forget this i ran what is now called the ron dawes memorial 25k in hopkins minnesota and it was a two-loop course real hilly and honest to gosh I remember I came around the first loop, and my, my first wife, Mary, I was so far behind. She goes, what's wrong? She goes, are you hurt? And I go, no. I go, I'm just, I go, I think I've just lost my desire. She goes, you get out there and keep going. So I did another loop, huh. and, like, I finished Pertner last. I mean, seriously, wow. I had guys in their 70s, you know, minutes in front of me, and I remember getting done, and I, I thought I'd lost that that zest for running and finally right. my mom convinced me to go to the doctor and my my iron levels and my hemoglobin was so low initially they thought i might have leukemia and they did all these oh, tests huh. and found out i was just very iron deficiency and they started me on some kind of an iron supplement and within a week i was oh i was feeling like a million bucks but i look at it when i look back i think i was training for months at 120, 130 miles a week, it was almost like running at altitude. And then all of a sudden, now right, right. I got the iron back. I got more red cells into my body, and and I and it just completely changed my running. But I, but Scott, on what you were saying earlier, I think when I was at SDSU, I think I was iron deficiency even then, but just didn't know it. I think you, yep, I think you were between the running and the racing and the school and all that. Right, and um, just being a little bit down is is not i mean you got to be 100 percent when you're running yes five mile races and stuff like that so yeah I, I mean i you know i just started coaching and but i learned a lot from both of you guys but the thing was like my high school coach i mean i'm running 70 miles a week twice a day i come and dirksen's got dirksen's putting 100 miles 100 mile a week stickers my whole locker's full of them 100 <laughs> mile a week stickers and so we're running a course twice a day so then I start coaching, so that's all I ever knew was right. that bo both of my coaches believed in running twice a day, and so then I get you guys, and I mean, if you guys wouldn't have ran a lot of miles, you wouldn't have been any good. You know what I mean? Right. You couldn't run 40 miles a week and been no. successful like you were, no. but then I run into Joel and Paul Brandt, and Joel's still cursing me to this day, because <laughs> I was trying to make him run twice a day, and he was getting fried. But I had never met somebody that could run 40 miles a week and run cross country. I know, you know what I mean. Yeah. And so um, they were Joel and Paul were the first guys that I'd ever met that like could do really well off of way less work. And then I didn't take consideration how much work they had to do on the farm and get up early sure. and all that because I had never been a farmer. So yeah, I didn't do a very good job with them. And uh, but I learned something from them. I learned, and then like I learned something. You learn from everybody, but, right? I learned something like uh, I 
for me, twice a day worked. For you guys, twice a day worked. But I've I've come now. It it doesn't work for everybody. No. And for people listening, it's not. No, it's it's not like that's that's the way that you have to go. It's you have to find out what your body can handle, and you have to work smart. Yes, it's not all about always doing more. It's it's doing the right thing and taking the right amount of rest. And then yep. so <laughs> it's pretty it's simple. It's so hard to coach. You know, when you have a team of let's say twenty guys like we did. And Jay would, and you know, and you did too, because you, you know, you inherited that program. You know, Jay would hand you your workouts for the whole season, and if it said this is what we're doing on Monday, this is what we're doing on Tuesday, this, you know, so if you didn't feel quite like I don't feel like doing mile repeats tonight, well, that wasn't an option. Too bad. It wasn't like Plan B is go do an easy run. I don't ever remember anybody going out and doing easy runs on a hard night. You did them, and you know, it was kind of by the end of the season. Yeah, the the I, I hate to say the the survival of the fittest. I guess if you survive that, and we did, because I think we ran on the softer surfaces in cross country, but we tried to carry that same philosophy into track. Winter, you know, indoor track in South Dakota State was insane. Everything's frozen, the ground, and so we try to keep doing double days, and and I'd break down. I'd break down every year. I never had a great uh, one season out of five that I was healthy. But but the you know that women's team that was good, they ran twice every day. Yeah, and so they and they they tried. won the national. Yeah. They won the national meet, and the next morning, 6 o'clock, they're knocking on my door to go out and run. I love it. The day after they won the nationals. But they run twice every day. The great thing was they all responded to the same thing. Yeah. yeah. That That's that why the team was so great. Well, they all did the same workouts. They all responded to twice a day running, and they held up, and they ran great. And so, I yeah, as I went along, I learned yeah. that freshmen have a tough time. Oh, they can stay with the varsity or the other guys for a while, but they run out of gas at the end of the year if you're not careful. And then you have to be careful with some, yeah, you have to pay a little attention to the other part of their life, like with Joel and Paul Brandt, that I didn't do a very sure. good job. Joel's, every time I see him, he's criticizing me for <laughs> you know, trying to make him run too much. I, I put on our on our website some photos of us in the morning runs, and I don't know who, but somebody else pointed it out. There isn't a single picture of those two guys running in the morning with the group. You know, they just, they were... They were sleeping in or whatever. They they what? But now Scott, just kind of wrap this. Nineteen seventy eight. You know that was uh, uh, Mike and Mark Bills, yep. Dick and I, Joel Brandt, Paul Brandt, Ken Cesadlo. That was our varsity. Pretty much. I don't think it really varied any at that season. I don't think anybody you know slid in and out of that number seven spot or anything like that. That was pretty much it. Any memories? Any thoughts that you want to? Yeah, mind? one of the memories was well, you know the region meet. We had like like. Seven guys ahead of Bacon. Was it Bacon? Yeah, North Bacon Dakota State. From Man- yeah. NDSU. Okay, so Bacon's an All-American. Didn't he end up being a national champ in the steeple? I think, I think so. so. Anyway, he's an All-American. And so and so when they're standing at the – taking the picture, he, he turns to me and he says, my God, I wouldn't even have made your team. I would be home. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a great story. But, no, but, no, but Ken, Ken Cezadlo – I'll never forget it as long as I live. Probably the greatest race that anybody's ever run that I coached. So Ken says, Lando, you guys are a minute and a half better than he is, you know, most of the yeah. meets. So anyway, go to that region meet, and all you guys are running in the pack. And Ken says, Adlo is back. And so, like, two miles out, Ken says, Adlo takes off on a dead sprint to catch you guys. And I'm thinking, Ken, you're crazy. <laughs> this is insane. You can't sprint at two miles and – so then he hangs on you guys the whole way. He beats Kurt Bacon, who was a minute and a half better than he is. 
So he collapses at the finish line, and he's laying on the ground, and I go over there, and he looks up at me, and he says, Coach, what did he say? I've never felt so good after feeling so bad. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he had no business hanging on you guys, and I think the next meet, you guys at the Nationals, you beat him by over a minute again. I don't know how he did that, but I think kudos to him. It was one of the greatest races I've ever seen a guy run because he didn't want to let you guys go. He didn't want to be the only one that wasn't up towards the front. That's pretty cool. That's a great story. You know, and I remember uh, Ken came by. He came by me inside the last mile, and I was like, holy crap. (laughs) I mean, what's he doing I like Ken. He's a good guy, great, good runner. And I thought, but, man, Ken – Cesaro is up here, and I mean, I I put it into another gear, you know, because your pride, and you know, and that's we fed off each other, you know. If, if you if you felt like, hey, I shouldn't be, I should be up there with so and so or whatever, and uh, but Ken ran out of his mind, and I yeah, that was a great that was a great team effort. So I'm I'm glad you reminded me of that one, but uh, but I mean, it's one thing for, you know, we've a lot of conference meets. It's hard to have seven people run well in the same right. day. It just is. I don't care who, who what your team is. But that day, all seven guys ran well. That's what I remember. All of them yeah. ran ran solid. Obviously, from the picture, we were all up front. Yeah. But I, like I said, what Ken did was, it was great. It, it just shows you every once in a while what you can do with with your mind because it had nothing to do with physical. It was all in it was all in his head. He was so stubborn that he wasn't going to let you go that day. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to switch gears a little bit. You know, you're probably one yep. of the few coaches. You know, you had your hand in helping Dick in his career. So, you know, you could technically put on your resume, coach Dick Beardsley to a weight marathoner you know, early in his career. And then you had Rod DeHaven, who is our only uh, representative at the 2000 Sydney Olympics in the marathon. And so, you know, the, your credentials, you know, and I know you've had tons of All-Americans. I hate leaving anybody's name out of this uh, conversation. Yeah, right. But, you right, know, right. as far as your coaching philosophy, I think maybe you've already kind of shared a little bit of that with us, you know, I, I know when you first got there, you, you kind of got handed Jay's program. And I, you, were, you were so late in the game, you didn't have a chance to even make your own program for us. No, and I, I did pretty much a lot of the same stuff Jay did in high school. So I was, I was kind of in, Comfort- you know, ready for that too. The thing about uh, Rodney was uh, I learned from Joel and Paul and some of the other guys Rodney wasn't running twice every day, contrary to what everybody thought. He'd run the Jack 15 and then hard, wouldn't run much the rest of the summer. So he didn't have a lot of miles behind him like you guys. And I, we held him back. And I, each year I kind of increased it a little bit. And I think that if, if I would have went full bore and he would have stayed healthy, he probably would have run better. But I think in the end, with for his career, it was probably turned out to be the best. But the one thing about Rod is like, how many guys do you know that coached themselves in the Olympics? Name me another one. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Yes. No, Rod Rod was he had that sense of like when to go hard and when not to go hard. And he told me that um like if he did something wrong once, he never did it wrong again. And if you remember high school, Mike, remember junior year he got beat by I hate to say it, but two hacks from Lincoln that he'd been beaten all year. And he went out and was like blowing everybody away in every single meet. And so <clears throat> At the state meet, he ends up getting third. And he told me later on, he said, "That's the day I learned my lesson that I, I can't go. I can't go like that all season long. I've got to pace myself a little bit more." And then the other great thing, this is a great story about Rod was when he was a senior, he was undefeated cross country, every single relay and track, at every single wow. race. 
so they, they interviewed him and and here on big article about a full page article in the Huron paper somebody sent it to me so rod says basically somebody asked him like what about the pressure of being undefeated all year going into the state meet and this is what rod said he said uh, pressure is if you're married and have a family and you're working at morels and you lose your job he said that's pressure sports aren't sports are fun it's supposed to be fun he said you know, I mean, how many high school kids would ever even say that? Because Rod came up the hard way without a father, that kind of thing. N never had money. I couldn't get him to visit. And then I found out is because, like, their car was broke down, and it, hmm. he didn't want to tell me. And wow. so I got, I found him, I found him a ride with somebody else. And then Rod, his senior year, we'd won his junior year. His senior year, he comes in to give his scholarship. He come in to give his scholarship back. So I got a chair and I got a coffee table in the front. And he puts his feet up on the coffee table. Well, he's got leather shoes, and one of them's got a hole in the bottom of it. And and he's given a scholarship back. He's got no money. He's got low. He says, "What's another loan? I want to make. I, I, maybe we can get one more guy and try to win the nationals again." But anyway, that wow. that tells you a lot about him, yeah. even if you don't know him. You know what I mean? I didn't know anything about that part of Rod. So that's really interesting. You know, and it, it does. So he's got. He's got a soft spot in his heart for the underdog well, it kind of reminds me of has. dick as well and maybe my you know dick and i just loved running and i remember dick and i had talked you had a grandma in colorado wasn't it dick or montana helena, montana helena or something like that yep. or, you know we were finishing up you know we thought well, what were we gonna do when we get out of school we hadn't thought about marriage or anything at that point but we, were, we said you know this running if we have to go out there, maybe we should go out there and we could train in a, a really nice environment we'll pump gas you know, just to make ends meet, Anything. share an apartment or something, you know, and it was kind of just for the pure love of it. It wasn't like, well, yeah, maybe we can make a living out of this because there was no making living out of running in the 70s. I mean, maybe the, you know, the Bill Rogers and Frank Shorter kind of guys, Olympians were doing that, but it had to be under the table and all that. So it's kind of fun when you think about Midwestern, you know, just I think running in general, no matter where it's at, you know, the love of the sport. You got to I always love that T-shirt where it says my sport is your sports punishment. You know, because in some sports they make you run for punishment. Now that's what we wanted to go do. You know, we well, wanted to go. Well, I think there's something too about living where we do in the in the northern tier of the Midwest that you know you run all winter long, and I I, I think there's something that you know just makes you tougher. Look at the some some of the great runners that have come out of Minnesota, North Dakota, and South Dakota all through a long, long time, way before. Yeah. Us, we're all runners, you know. It's pretty Buddy, remarkable. Yeah, Buddy Edlin, you know, you mentioned yeah. Ron Dawes, Steve Hogue, there's, there's yeah. Mike Slack, you know, those guys. Right. Yeah. Like Bob, Bob Dorkland. Yeah. Bob Bartley used to, yeah. Bob Bartley used to always say, you know, no such thing as bad weather, just soft people. You know, <laughs> sounds like I mean, Bob. But, you know, yeah, it sounds like Bob, but I mean, that's what the Midwest people right? are. Like, like you're going out and running 10 miles a day and it's 20 below zero outside. You know, the people are looking at you like, the thing that anybody listening to about running, I mean, running, nothing, it doesn't matter if you're good or bad or anywhere in between. It changes your life. And everybody that you talk to, I don't care. I run into people that are just joggers. And I'm telling you to, to the person, running has totally changed their life and they, for the better. And a lot of them have come back to me 25 years later and said, I'm telling you, coach, I learned more from running and being involved with, with that type of people that's helped me with my family and my job than anything I ever learned in school. Yeah. And it's true. It's true. And so I have respect for all of them. I, I don't, anybody that goes by my, 
you know, front of my house or something like that, I, I have respect for them. Well, if you saw and, me um, go by your house, Scott, you'd, you'd look out your window and you'd go, my gosh, what's wrong with that I put, guy? I put a few stakes out there to make sure you were moving. I'm, yeah. I'm, like, I'm, like a, I'm like a car with square wheels. I just kind of go gunk, 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 gunk. But you know what? Like you said, Scott, I still love it. You know, I met my best friend, Mike Dunlap, through, oh, yeah, through running, sure. and we've been the best of friends, our families, for going on, you know, getting – getting close to 50 years here in a, in not too long of a time. And, yep. and, uh, yep. and that would have never happened without my running, without going to South Dakota state, you know, without having you as a coach, you know, all the coaches I had, my high school coach who didn't know a whole lot about running smoke cigarettes, you know, coach Fulcrum, <laughs> coach Underwood, and then coach Squires, you know, yep. without all of you played such an integral part of me becoming the runner that I was fortunate to become. Well, yeah. 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 Very good. Rich Green always, he, Rich Green always said the distance runners are the salt of the earth. Yeah. That's what he always said. I agree. Said. And there's a, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of truth to it. Like how many negative distance runners have you ever met? I mean, negative people that are distance runners. Not many. They're just, they're, no, they're not no. out there. No. I love Bob Bartling's story. You know, he sold those running shoes in the basement of the furniture store for eat for decades and I heard him tell this story. He said, you know, in all those years, college kids would come in and they're runners. And they needed some shoes. And he, they'd always ask him, gee, can, can I write a check? Will you take a check? And he'd say, well, of course. You know, he, he said, and Mike, he said, I've never, ever, never did one of those kids bounce a check. Runners don't do really? that. You know, if you huh. don't have the money in the bank, you, you should be writing checks. Well, on you it. know, talk about Bob. I, you know, I didn't have a penny in my pocket and I needed shoes and, and uh, I think I still have an IOU to Bob for a pair of shoes. I never, <laughs> never paid him back for him yet. So I think you were in the Prairie Strider jersey down at the Statehood days when you were under contract by New Balance. Right. Kind of paid him back. <laughs> that's I a got story. a little trouble for that one. <laughs> I was going to say that's a story. I'm sure we'll save for another day. Well, Scott, before we run out of time because we're getting a little long. Any, any other Beardsley? You know. Most everybody's got a Beardsley story or two up their sleeve, and Dick's got a thousand Beardsley stories. But anything come yeah. to mind that you want to kind of maybe? Uh... Well, I'll give you a couple quick, quickly. For first of all, somewhere along the line, I called him, and I was probably inviting him to the camp or something. And he was about surgery time, so I call up, and Mary, I was surprised he was having surgery that day. Mary answers the phone. I said, "Well, I, I thought Dick was having surgery the next day," and he said, "Well, he's in surgery." He said. She said, well, this is his 13th one. I don't go anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, like, he'll survive. He'll come home. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so, so anyway, no, but then the other one was the, you know, Dick would come and help me at the camp. And I, what did I pay you, Dick? Two, three hundred dollars oh, or like something? like that, yeah. I mean, you weren't getting rich. No. You weren't getting rich. So, so Dick comes down. Well, the one year he comes down, but he's. So he's out biking before he comes and he runs into the back of the Cadillac, right? right. I think he, I think he told me it was a Cadillac. Yeah. Well, he just had like fusion surgery on his back. Right. So he runs into the Cadillac and then right away he's got to come down to the camp. So I don't know how he ran into the Cadillac, <laughs> but at least it was a nice car. So anyway, he, so he comes to the camp and he's got like three sessions. So, you know, we're do, we did the first session and me and the kids love listening to the stories and stuff and love, you know, so they're, it was kind of the highlight for a lot of them. And so the first one, you know, everything's normal. And the second one, he's, uh, 
he's you know he's sitting down in the chair, but everything's going pretty well. Well, then the third one, <laughs> like he's first he's standing up and then he's sitting down. So, but then by the end, he's laying sideways <laughs> on the table. <laughs> he's 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 laying sideways and he's talking. <laughs> and, My back hurts so bad. I remember that. <laughs> He couldn't even sit up anymore. I look like there. a damn mermaid so, laying on a table. <laughs> so his back, so his back is seizing up. So, so we had to carry him to the to the vehicle and take him to the hospital. So he's in the hospital, and he's on all kinds of pain meds and stuff. So he calls me up. He says, "Coach, he says I got a I got a speaking engagement or something. I gotta get home, but they won't let me out. That's right. He says they, they won't let me out of the hospital. He says." You gotta come vouch for me or something. I gotta get home. It's yeah, come spring me out. And so I go up there. I'm talking to him. Oh, I'll take him home. I'll watch over him. On and on and on. So okay, if you're gonna watch over him, we'll let him out. So he can't even sit up. So he says, just take my stuff and shove it in the front seat. Prop me up with my stuff. (laughs) And so we gotta carry him out to the car. We prop him up by the steering wheel, like he's tipping. But he's he's on all these meds and he's like he isn't even talking straight. You know? <laughs> he says, "I gotta get home." He says, "I gotta get home." So I prop him up and like I'm responsible for him now, you know. So I prop him up and I send him down the road. And I'm thinking, "Oh my God, is he gonna crash and sue me?" <laughs> because I sent him home when he was like all hyped up on pain pills. I just I remember too. So anyway, you, you had to get him a big gulp. And set it by him because he couldn't get out to oh. get his own drinks. No, so give him a big gulp. <laughs> send him off the road. Oh. Five-hour drive. Oh my gosh! I, you know what, guys? I, we could go on and on. And I mean, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. You know, those are at the time it was like concerning, but I look back on those times and just Scott, you kind of telling that that whole story. I still remember you kind of getting me into the car and. You might have even shifted it into drive for me. <laughs> Start heading north. <laughs> but all is good. We're all still here. That's a good thing. Oh, Lord. Yeah. All right. Well, Scott, thanks so much for doing this. You know. Um, yeah, well, go- I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys having, well, Scott, having and, me on. I, you know, I, I, I one last thing. I, You know, of all the coaches I, I had, you know, you stood out so much when – especially when we'd run a race, there could be 10,000 people (laughs) watching a cross country national meet, but boy, you had your voice. I could pick that out of a million people. And you know, you always got it so fired up and you were, I mean, we were running a five or 10 K, whatever it was. And you were doing probably just as much running because you were always back and (laughs) forth on the course and, and always encouraging us. And, um, you know, that's something that um, when when it was like you were like out there with the old whip, like not with a real whip, but with your voice, and you always got all of us fired up, don't you think, Mike? Oh, hundred percent. You know, the hard, the worst part of that is, Andy was giving us great advice, and so often he couldn't do a damn thing about it. You know, when right. you say move up, move up, and you're going, man, if I could move up, I'd be moving up. You know, and and I and I always yeah. appreciated Scott. I know, like I think after our national meet, Dick and I were bummed, but. I think you wrote in a paper, you said, you know, you can look at guys when they finish and you know if they gave you everything they had. And if they gave you everything they had, you, you can't, you know, what, what can you say? You can't yeah. get on them. That's, that's what people have to learn in life. Give it your best shot. Wait the result in peace and people aren't good Keep at that. Keep your head yeah. up. Keep your head you up. Know, you know, and, yep. and, uh, well, Scott, listen, we, uh, we, 
we sure appreciate you coming on. It's it's just it's fun for Dunn and I to bring back old memories. And we want to thank uh, all the folks for listening. And if you have any questions for Dunn and myself or comments about the show, you can contact us directly on our website, beardsanddunnpod.com, or leave us a comment on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter all at Beards and Done Pod. Yeah. And if you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. All right. Thanks again, Scott. Yep. Mikey, you Scott, thank thanks, you. everybody. Take care, guys. Have a great day, you guys.